What if every song on the radio were the same? What if all of our music were the same key, the same subject, the same tempo? It would be boring, and we would stop listening. But God is not boring, and neither are his songs, which means we can come to him in any and every emotional state we find ourselves in. Pastor Doug Logan says, God is worthy of praise, even on a bad day. He's good because of who he is. Feel the pain, trial, anguish, joy, celebration, and justice as we further understand what it means to know the God of the Bible. Let's marinate in the Psalms as this ancient poetry washes over us, refining us, changing us, for his good. What a joy to learn there is no pretending in Christ. God allows us to weep, sing, shout, laugh, and even lament. Join us as we go deeper with God. Join us as we revel in his songs. Join us for these songs of freedom. we today? Thank you, uh, Carmen. <clears throat> well, I'm stoked to be here with you guys today. I feel like I'm losing my voice, so you'll have to bear with me just a little bit. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Let's just go through this. Let's see what happens. Um, so today, we're going to be in Psalm 1. So if you can find your Bibles, um, we have Bibles available in the back if you need to borrow one. And uh, it's uh, the first Psalm. So uh, go to the front, find Psalms in the, uh, the contents, and uh, go to one. It's easy. So uh, I absolutely love reading. I love reading books. Um, if you go to my house, it's overflowing with books. We have to do the sideways thing. We have to find places to put the books on top of the bookshelves. We have to hide them in drawers. Um, and then if they're really bad, we throw them away. Uh, and now we have a, a little library, so I have another place to put my books. But uh, I, I'm so interested in very specific things um, that not everyone is interested in the things that I'm interested in. Um, so I have all these books, and I'm always reading them. And when my wife and I go on date nights, we read together. It sounds super lame, but it's super fun. I try to read one book per week. That's my goal. Um, my daughter has me beat. I think yesterday she read three Nancy Drew books. Um, my mom and dad loved reading. They had a library at their house. I love reading. My daughter loves reading. My family loves reading. But there's something transcendent about music and poetry. The Psalms are music. In fifth grade, I had to memorize a poem um, in order to like pass for Mrs. Korn's class at Tiffany Elementary School. Yes, her name was Mrs. Korn. And so I found a way to get around it. Um, I used music. And uh, nobody knew the music that I liked, so it was really easy to say, hey, there's this song called Countdown to Extinction by a guy named Dave Mustaine. Now, nobody at my school knew that that was actually the singer for a band named Megadeth. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I, I recited the poem Countdown to Extinction by the metal band Megadeth. 
um, in order to pass the fifth grade. Um, and the reason why it was so easy for me was because it was music. And music is special. You see, music gets up in your bones. Like, it like penetrates your bones. It gets in your heart. Like, you breathe and live music. That's why I think God has chosen music as one of the ways that we can memorize things. He's chosen music as, as one of the ways that we, we come together and we pray, but we don't just pray, we sing music. And when Jesus gathered with the disciples, they sang hymns and psalms. Jesus sang. I wonder what his voice sounded like. I bet it sounded average. There are different types of literature in the Bible. Some books are a narrative, right? Like a story, like Genesis, Exodus, Gospels, Acts. Um, some are prophetic books like Isaiah, Elijah, um, Ezekiel. We just finished apocalyptic literature in uh, Revelation, right? Today, as we begin our new series, Songs of Freedom, we will see a few different types of literature. Um, in the Psalms, you'll mostly see poetry, music. It even says often, for the choir director. Um, but you'll also see some lament in there, an awful lot of lament which is why I'm so happy to read through the Psalms when I'm struggling with um, death or, or failure or when people don't like me. There's wisdom in the Psalms and there's sometimes prophecy. Ultimately, the Psalms are music and I hope that it gets in your bones. Now, Psalm 1 is the perfect introduction to our Psalms today. Unlike most Psalms, this is kind of like more like a teaching Psalm um, with lessons for us, right? Charles Spurgeon, pastor from England, he called it the preface psalm. It almost feels like the psalmist is saying, so you're about to get some crazy wisdom, you're about to get some beautiful music, and it would be wise to listen. So buckle up. So I present to you today Psalm 1, and I'm going to read it to you. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, um, why would you, like, have my voice start to go, like, right before I have to preach, Lord? No prep for that. God, we sense brokenness in this world. We don't need your affirmation to know that something is wrong at times. That in your desire to see us made whole, there have been others who have rejected your love, others who are ignorant of your care for them. Either way, God, there are people around us destroying themselves and others. God, I think about the drug deal I saw this morning. I think of the destruction that person is doing to others, and most likely they're trying to feed themselves. God, I ask your mercy on them, but I also ask that you draw them to repentance. God, we ask for mercy where, it needs, uh, where it's needed and your grace to overtake pain. And Father, we ask that um, when we are right, that you would help us not to be judgmental jerks with those who might be called sinners or scoffers or mockers. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be blessing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Could someone grab me some, uh, like, water?
Would that be okay? Just some hot water or something? <clears throat> Maybe some tea, some chamomile, some honey, lemon? No? All right, just water is good. <clears throat> I think I'm going to sit down. <laughs> well, so today I'm going to give you three instructions from Psalm 1, counsel of the wicked. Um, it says in verse 1, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners in the company of mockers. In verse 4 it says, The wicked are not like this. Instead they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So he's saying don't let this world feed you. Let God feed you. And I, I can tell you, um, I have read this verse for years and years and years and disliked it honestly, because um, it's confusing to me. I don't know if it's confusing to you. Um, I was joking about the tea. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. So first off, it says how how we can talk, um, how we can walk in the counsel or advice of mockers. Now, it's encouraging the reader not to be stained by the wicked, okay? Really take that to heart. Let me say this. Some of the most wicked people I've ever met were pretending to be religious people, okay? It's the most wicked people I've ever met were pretending to be religious people. Um, matter of fact, I, I think the people who um, disagreed with and hated Jesus the most um, were the most religious, and they were the ones who were the mockers. They were the ones who were the scoffers, and most likely, they were reading this verse and interpreting it to Jesus' behavior. Isn't that interesting? They were using the Bible against Jesus, saying, why is Jesus hanging out with prostitutes? Why is Jesus hanging out with dudes that have stolen from their own people? Why is Jesus doing that? And they were coming at him for it, and they had missed it. They had missed that they were the scoffers. They were mocking God. So it's misunderstood. It's confusing. But if we're encouraged to be around people who are not Christians... We have to allow ourselves to influence for kindness and not be influenced by sin. And when I say sinners, um, I mean church people too, yo. Like, there's sin in all of us. So the question I have for you is when the conversation goes south, when the conversation goes to gossip, when the talk turns to slander, who are you in that moment? Are you the influencer? Or are you the influenced? When someone talks about women as objects, men, do you stand up for the women or do you just like quietly laugh? When a man talks about a man of another color as if they are less than human, do you speak up or do you allow that junk to feed you? Because if you sit in gossip, hater talk or derogatory comments, if you do it passively long enough, it will infect you. Like if you take a bath in mud, like some of it's gonna get on you. It will invade your pores. It will get inside of you. And if you find yourself having a couple beers or a joint after all this has happened, then I believe you will end up partaking. I'm not saying you can't be around sin. I'm just saying when you start to eat what they are serving, you need to get out of the kitchen because it's death. Now, when I'm talking about what feeds you, I'm about to use an R-rated movie as an example. Ironic, right? I'm wondering if any of you guys have seen this. There's a movie called Idiocracy. Has anyone seen it in the room? Maybe a couple? Um, so I'm just going to basically explain to you the idea. It's created by the, uh, the makers of South Park to start out. You know, why? 
as your pastor talking about this, but it will make sense, I promise. Um, and uh, basically, it's this idea. There's a really average dude. Um, he's so average that uh, the army has conducted an experiment where they want to use this average guy, um, and they want to um, put him on ice for a year and then resuscitate him a year later. They want to see if this can work. Well, something happens, and uh, he ends up being uh, awoken uh, about 500 years later instead. And um, what happens in those 500 years that he's on ice, that he's cryogenically frozen, is that um, everybody who breathes is, like, really stupid, and the whole uh, IQ of modern society goes way down. And so he wakes up the smartest man on the planet, Um, So that's the idea behind this. I wish there were less cursing and stuff like that in this movie, um, so I could actually tell you it's a really cool idea, um, but it's, no, it's obvious, yeah, okay. So what happens is, is that he ends up in jail um, for the way he speaks and things like that, and um, there's so many stories I want to tell you. Won't do it in a sermon. And um, he finds that everyone is dying, and they're dying because there's no food um, the people are not smart enough to, to farm anymore. Now, to give you a little backstory, there's a time when there's a major drink corporation called Brondo, also known as the Thirst Mutilator. Um, <clears throat> and Brondo becomes the largest company in the world. And Brondo becomes so large that when the FDA is struggling, Brondo buys the FDA and the CDC. And so what happens is, is that Brondo can tell you um, that Brondo has electrolytes, and it's what you need, and everybody starts to drink Brondo. So much so that when you go to a drinking fountain, it's Brondo. So much so that it employs like half of the world, Brondo, the thirst mutilator. And uh, so much so that they start to give Brondo to their plants because, uh, quote, it, it got what, wait, it, how do I say it? It got what plants crave. It got what plants crave? Am I saying it right? I don't know. But... Yeah, Brondo got what plants crave. That's it, okay? Um, it's got electrolytes, is what they say. Now, the thing is, is you have this guy that's a normal person, and uh, they're, they're asking him, they're pleading with him, would you please tell us why we can't grow plants anymore? And he goes out, and he starts to see the sprinklers in the farms are all Brondo. And they can't figure out why everything is dying. It's because they're, they're watering it with Brondo, right? It's got what plants crave. So he goes to them and he says, are you telling me that you're watering with Brondo all your plants? And of course they respond, yes, it got what plants crave. And he says, you, 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 you need to put water. You need to put water on plants. Are you serious? Put water on plants. And they say, you want us to put water on plants? Like out of the toilet? Water? He says, yes, of course. Like, how can you not know this? But for years and years and years, they've been told that Brondo is what you need. Brondo, it's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. And that's how everyone responds to him when he says, no, 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 we need to put water on the plants. The thing is, is ultimately, um, because I I encourage you not to see the movie, uh, they do eventually listen to him, and he becomes the smartest man on the planet, and he becomes the president of the United States. And it's not until they trust him that water is what the plants need that they see. Now, why do I quote this idiotic movie? Uh, Well, the thing is, is that 
God is telling us what we need, but we are surrounded with so many more voices, aren't we? So many more voices telling us what we need. Now, I want to say, this is, like, I discourage you from filling your brain with dirty movies, dirty books, whatever, music, but this is not about that. This is what you allow to speak to your heart, okay? This is what you allow to speak to your heart. This is what you listen to. This is what you allow to feed you. Who gets a bigger influence in your life than they deserve? Is it Fox News? Is it MSNBC? Is it your friends on Facebook? Is it your mom? Like, do you listen to your mom more than you listen to Jesus? Even your sweet mother can lead you astray. Have you ever saw Waterboy? Bobby Boucher's mom always trying to get him to stay away from foosball? She was wrong in this case. Here's the thing. Our thoughts and actions have been so infected by the thoughts and actions of this world that we, are, we think we're immune, but we are in the middle of it. We have no idea how much it's watering us. This is where we need to be introspective as Christians. What are the things we do that the world does as well? That doesn't mean that they're bad, okay? But let's look at all the things that we do that the world does as well, and we, we need to ask ourselves, is this from God or from somewhere else? Do we ever evaluate ourselves and what we think is right? Look at all the things you do and then take it all the way to the end game and say, if I continue to disciple my children this way, if I, consider, if I continue to spend time with God this way, where will I end up? I have people that are sadly absent here today. Um, now, I'm not talking about certain ones, but there are people who um, will find that they need to do a million other things than be a part of the church. But if you ask those people, what is the most important thing to you? They would say that my kids know God. And I, and, and I have to ask them, like, okay, if your kids went to church half the amount as you do, would you be okay with it? For some people, that means half of twice a year. For some people, that means half of five times a year. And it makes me sad because they're discipling their kids this way. It makes me sad because we're saying that certain things are more important. Look at the end game. I'm not going to call you on all your stuff. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I'm asking you to examine how often you allow the world to set your priorities in life. If your life is about getting more, if your life is about being safe or only taking care of you and yours, let me be clear, that thinking is satanic. It's not from God. Be careful of what you're listening to. Yeah, be careful. But when you've been discipled by the world to just take care of you and yours, there's a problem because that does not reflect God's desire for your heart. That is the American narrative telling you that life is about you, that life is about your kids. And I think sometimes we can make our kids, um, we can think that's not about us, but it still is. We will be dead like a field of corn well watered by Brondo, the thirst mutilator. So if the, the, the world's advice can lead to death, you can probably guess my second point, and that it's God's instructions lead to life. God's instructions lead to life. So it says, delight in the Lord's instruction, and he, and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So we know uh, what kind of uh, when it's flowing streams, that's water, right? 
not, uh, Brando. So when you delight in God, you experience true joy. The believer who is well watered by God will be fruitful. So what does it mean to delight in God's word? This can mean uh, to be preoccupied with God's word. That's one of the terms that they use in the Hebrew. Um, The question is, what would it look like to be fired up, super excited by God? Have you ever been in love? I kind of hope everyone has had an opportunity to be in love, but um, when you're in love with someone, even if it's unrequited, you'll wake up in the morning and go, oh, you just find yourself having joy over that person, right? Um, I, I mean, I think sometimes it can be just, uh, you know, someone from like New Kids on the Block for some of you guys when you woke up and Jordan Catalano or something. Oh, he's so awesome. Um, but when you wake up and you're in love, you just have this feeling, you have this joy, you delight in that person, right? You feel joy, you're excited to think about that person. This is the kind of delight that we're encouraged to have for God, to be fired up, to be super excited by him, to wake up in the morning with love of God on your mind. Now, not just God himself, but even his instruction, it says to be delight in his instruction, I would guess that would mean to understand how good it is for us, how fruitful, how, how God's instruction is for our embetterment, our betterment. Now, the Hebrew for instruction here is Torah, which can mean law, right? And we know what the Torah is. It's direction or even doctrine. Now, one thing worth noting is the tree or the godly man, the tree, the same thing, is planted beside flowing streams. That's plural. When one stream fills dry, God can provide others that flow alongside us. The thing is, I think sometimes the streams um, are many of the the different ways that we look in the United States, or excuse me, in our church in America. A lot of times we'll see that stream as only one thing. That'll be like God's word or just the church or going on Sunday as a stream. But I believe that we have many streams available to us. That's God's word, yes. That's God's church, yes. That's your friends who love Jesus. There's many ways these streams can help us to grow. The church encourages you. But if you don't get into God's word, you'll be sick. God's word can encourage you, but if you're not being sharpened by the church, you can end up ill. Because there may be a day when you wake up and you're like, God's word is not, I'm not delighting in it, but I delight in my friends. There may be days when you're saying, I don't really delight in my friends, but I delight in God's word. It's so important to have multiple paths. It's so important to pray and find that sometimes you just delight in who God is and his Holy Spirit feels closer. God provides streams, different ways to encourage us. God's word has to be in your daily life, friends. It'll just make you weak if you don't have God's word. And so I encourage you, if you can make a party of God's word, uh, so for some of you, you're like, oh, dude, I don't do that. I don't read. I don't read books like you, Pastor Dale. And I say to you, read a sentence every day one sentence of the Bible. And then if you feel like going further, go further. If you don't, don't. But if you're someone who just hates, hates, hates reading, I encourage you, read one sentence of the Bible every day. And then if you feel, if you feel it, then keep going. And as you continue to mature, then maybe you change it to a paragraph. Or maybe you change it to um, a chapter. I know for me, for many, much of my life, I would make sure that I read one chapter a, uh, one chapter a, a day. Um, now, for me, I'm just encouraged by a chapter of Proverbs. I'm encouraged by um, a chapter from the Old Testament and a chapter from the New Testament. And I never read the stuff I'm preaching on in the morning. That's my time with the Lord. And so God's word has to be in your daily life. But don't feel, 
Don't feel like browbeat for this. I want you to, to know that he wants you to delight in him, and I think he can help you with it. No matter how much I preach to you on church things, if you're not seeking him on your own, like it's just going to make you sick. Like It's just going to be like um, those guys that work out, and they always work out their chest and their arms, and they have like these sickly little legs. They skip leg day. Like That's what you'll be spiritually. And the thing is, is when you skip leg day, and someone comes to attack you, guess what? The devil knows exactly. Sweep the leg. And so I encourage you that we make prayer a part of our daily life. I don't care if your prayer takes 10 seconds. That's a start. I don't care if your Bible study takes one sentence. It's a start. But do it every day. And I encourage you to make church-related things a part of your life. Now, I have a few friends in here that have lived in different cities than me when I've been a pastor elsewhere. And I promise you, this is what I say to them. It's not one of those like, well, pastor, you're a pastor. You got to have them come to your church. No, I want you guys in church because I care about your souls. And um, for you, that might be your legs. You might be Bible studying all the time. You might be praying all the time, but you're not um, in community. And I say, this is important to be a well-rounded believer. God is encouraging you to be in community. Now, um, when we talk about what it means to to really delight in God's word. Um, I just have a few verses that I think are helpful um, to remind us why this is so important. Now, when we go through the Psalms, you guys, this is going to be a reoccurring theme, you'll see. Especially Psalm 119. Um, That one's crazy on this. But here's just a few. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Word of God's good. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then Psalm 119 says, your word is a path for my feet, a light for my path. God's word is old and refreshing. God's word is ancient and it's modern. It's solid, but it's pliable to every situation. And I encourage you to let it water your soul. If you come to my house, um, you always know the trees in my backyard that I love the most because they look strong and they have plenty of water. I have schedules to make sure that I take care of those. Um, I also have gophers that are trying to attack them, and I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'm really hoping that Patrick's snake gets big enough so I can feed the gophers to the snakes and not feel like I'm just killing them for no reason. Circle of life. I'm encouraging it. Um, That was not in my notes. Okay. But often I will go into my backyard, and what I'll do is I'll just give my trees just a little bit of bend, because I love, I love my trees, so I want to check up on them, and I just kind of bend them just slightly, just to see, are they well watered? If I start to feel like some rigidity in the branches, then I know I'm not watering this enough. It's not flexible. And I think when you're well watered, uh, God knows this, and he checks up on us, and he comes into his garden, and he, and he sometimes bends us to see, where are you at? And, and I think when you are fully in his word, you find yourself flexible to the commands and love of God. Here's the thing. In Psalm 1, it says the ungodly are like chaff, like dry leaves. When the master bends the branches, they're, um, they break. And that tree that is in my backyard that is well watered. It provides me and my friends with the biggest, juiciest, sweetest navel oranges you've ever had. And the leaves are a deep green. 
And you can tell that that tree is deeply loved. But that tree didn't do anything to thrive. Honestly, the tree's there. It's been planted. It's been planted. And God plants the tree, and he provides the water. And it just sits there. And so in many ways, like, I hope that you understand that um, it's up to you to seek God, but it's also amazing that he will help you. He will make you strong. He will provide the water. God planted you, and he's responsible for the water. God is a much better gardener than I, and his word and his Holy Spirit are water to the soul. He has planted you where you are at, and he will do the watering. So if he's planted you and he's providing paths for you, what are they? Well, one is I encourage you to be a part of a growth group. It's, it's when you get together with someone, you study the word. Other solid um, water that I, solid water. <laughs> other, <laughs> oh my gosh. Other water that's provided for you is the city groups. Spending time around people who want what's best for you, who want you to be close to God, that is so important, friends. I'm not saying you don't spend time with non-believers. But I think that if you spend your time with non-believers and you're not spending time in prayer, in the word, making it a priority to be with people who want you to be closer to Jesus, you're going to struggle. The world has other plans other than you being in solid community. Like what is Facebook? What is Twitter? What is Instagram? What is Snapchat? They're faux community, right? Like we have our communities with video games, We don't know that person. We don't always know their deepest desires. We don't know their struggles. We don't embrace them when they're struggling. We don't don't put our arm around them when they've just lost someone. True community is with people who want you to thrive, people who want to see you grow, people who want to see you bear fruit. We're going to take this tree thing all the way, friends. (laughs) The world has other plans for you than you being in solid community. At first, you won't have time for some things. Then you won't have time for most things. Then you are gone altogether, and it's insidious. But God has a better desire for you. And so, what would make a beautiful grove in God's sight? It's a grove that protects those who are smaller and one that provides the fruit of the Spirit. Can you imagine it, friends? And if you can imagine it, then surely you can imagine the one who watches over his grove of trees in the Lord of the Rings, it was, uh, he was called an ent. Um, it was a tree shepherd. Our tree shepherd from the Lord of the Rings. God is an arborist. And our third point is that God watches over his children. The security of the believer comes from the strength of their creator. Verse 6, it says, The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Psalm 121, 1 through 5 says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains, Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is your shelter by your side. Please don't think that this is all about you just working harder, okay? Because I know I've given you specific paths and ways to grow, You have to understand that God is present and he's going to help you. And if you just get mad at yourself, like that's a problem too. Like we just try to allow God to stretch us, to bend our branches and to water us. 
He watches over you. The good tree shepherd watches over you. And no one is righteous, and only our righteousness is from Jesus. And once you are made right in God's sight, he fights for you. Like, I'm a protective parent, right? Okay, like, I'm cool with that. I understand it. Um, When the door is open to my front door and my daughter is doing the trash, I am watching her in front of my house to put out the trash. I don't know when she'll get old enough for me not to do that, but I just do it anyway. When you leave my house, I watch you to your car. (laughs) It's just what I do. But that's how God is over his children. He watches over them. The gophers in my yard would not be in God's grove. He would snuff them out and feed them to Patrick's snake. Thing is, is we know how much he cares for us because he has proven it. He's proven it when he came to this earth and died for us. He's proven it when he had the ability to get up off the cross and he stayed. He proved it when he even cried out to the Father, if there's any other way, could we do this? But he didn't receive the answer he wanted. And still Jesus willingly showed his love for us. And he conquered sin and death for us so we might have life and life abundant. He's a good shepherd. He watches over you. He keeps you safe by night. This means that you have to be willing to seek after God because he has you. He has you and he holds you dear. He also knows everything you're going to do before you do it. So those of you who have come today and you're struggling because you've sinned, God already knew you would do it. God already accepts you and is willing to forgive you. For those of you who are planning on sinning, um, I ask you to repent. Um, I ask you to not do it. But the thing is, God God knows every sin you will ever do and still he has made this sacrifice for you. You can't unearn the love of God. And that is so good because if I were a tree, man, I would be going after the brondo, not the water. I would be looking after the things that are bad for me. And yet God provides a still stream, the steady waters, and his love, and his Holy Spirit. Now, I... I want to just end real quickly. Um, this is kind of a hard one for me to preach. It's so straightforward. It's like, gosh, usually I'm trying to like help you understand what it says, but it's like a really simple idea, right? This idea is very simple. Like, hey, don't fall into the bad crowd. But what does he mean? He means don't let that tell you where to go or what to do. And And he says to be careful who it is that you are allowing to speak into your life. Then he says, who should speak into your life? God, right? Like God's word, God's people should encourage you. And he says, who watches over you? It's him. He watches over you. Who keeps you safe by night? Him. His arm is not too short to save. It's a very simple idea, and it's a short psalm. And I can tell you probably later on I'll be annoyed that I was not happy with a short one. But here's the thing. Guys, we have to internalize this idea. And I just want to reiterate, I'm not telling you who not to hang out with. Jesus hung out with scoffers. Jesus hung out with cheaters. Jesus hung out with sinners. But he didn't give in to them. Like you guys know that I can't have gluten, right? Like, that's, I'm just open. I talk about it all the time. When I go to Panera, I'm not tempted to have Panera anymore. 
Like, I have been gluten-free now for over 10 years. So when I go to Panera and I smell the bread, it smells more like death to me. It smells more like me being sick all day. So I don't, I'm not tempted anymore. And so I'm okay to go to Panera. I can have coffee and I can sit with you and talk. And there may be things like that for you where you can go into a situation and you can absolutely be the light. There may be other times when you go into the situation. Now, for one, like I could not go into a place that just had like sugary food because I would just eat it. Like I'm like a horse, like I would eat until I died. So I have, you have to know, like who can you spend time with that you can be the light and who do you have to be really careful with? The thing is, is that when I hang out on the corner and everybody's smoking weed, like I have no temptation to smoke weed. Like I don't care. When uh, everybody's drinking from a 40, once again, it's got gluten in it, so I'm not worried about that either. We have to know who we can spend time with. God wants you to spend time with sinners, um, mostly because we, we have been sinners and we have, are being redeemed by good God. God wants you to spend time with, with mockers and scoffers, but God does not want you to be watered by them. Does that make sense? God does not want them to speak, tr- uh, speak false things into your life so that you believe them. God wants us to live in this world. He wants us to be part of this world. But don't wait for heaven to witness to the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is a whole new citizenship. The citizens are made new by the God who loves them, and they are not waiting for heaven. They are seeking God's will here on earth. They should manifest itself in the way we treat the poor, the oppressed, and the brokenhearted, because he loved us first. Don't forget the new city that we talked about when we were in Revelation. A river flowed through that city with trees growing on its shores and great fruit. So friends, he's so good. He loves you so much. He knows all you've done wrong and he absolutely loves you still. He thinks about you day and night. He knows you better than you know you. You don't know how many hairs are on your head, do you? Maybe a couple of you do. I know Tan might know how many hairs are on his head. My buddy Collis might know. But God knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. You don't, he knows you better than you. When you rise in the morning, rise knowing you are loved and delight in his instruction, delight in his love. When you lay your head down on the pillow in the evening hours, feel his care and concern for you, his child. Friends, we serve a good God. Let us rejoice together as well-watered trees that are made by our God to withstand the toughest storms in our lives. He is here for you now. He'll be here for you tomorrow. Take the hand of the good gardener. Let's pray. God, I thank you that uh, you provide a stage for me to sit on when I'm not feeling as good. Um, I thank you for my friends here in this room. And God, when when I look out at them, I think about how so many things speak to us. God, I know they're bombarded by messages from friends, from those who might guilt them into other things. God, that some of them are bombarded by mental illness, by, by addiction, by struggles, by worry, by anxiety. And yet, God, you gently come alongside us and you offer us a better way. But God, sometimes the easy way just seems so much better than the good way. And God, we ask that you would help us to delight in you and see how you are for us and you are not against us. And when you are for us, who can be against us? 
God, we ask that we might delight in your word today, delight in your church, delight in the ways that you have made us to glorify you. Father, we ask that in this moment you would take our sins as we silently confess them to you. God, we thank you so much that you take these sins and you forgive us even though we don't necessarily deserve it because you have been the ultimate sacrifice for us. God, that when you look upon us, you see the righteousness of your son Jesus and you pronounce us good in your sight, justified, made right for you so we might bring you glory. God, we ask that all these things that make us want to seek after the quick way, the easy way, God, that you would help us to see them for what they truly are. For these sins that desire to destroy us, we pray you help us to see them for what they really are. That we might know what is from you and we might delight in you. Thank you for forgiving us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.